What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 263, powered by the one and only Golden Eagle Energy Drink. They've sponsored the whole season four of the podcast. Shout out to them. Go support them. If you support them, you're supporting me at drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. Check them out. The link's in the description below or just type that in in whatever browser when you're listening. So I got some good news and I got some bad news, guys. Good news or bad news? I don't know which one first. Uh, I'll give you guys the bad news first and then I'll give the good news. Bad news is I am not going to be reviewing the Kanye West album on this episode. Uh, I want to sit with it a little bit more. I know I got the 21 Savage album to review as well and the Kevin Gates. And then I potentially might do the Lyrical Lemonade. Uh, and then I got the Benny Butcher one. So there's a lot that I have to kind of review that I'm back, you know, I'm kind of behind on. But uh, I don't want to do any album reviews for right now. I have some stuff that I'm working on that I, like, I haven't really had time to, you know, sit with this, with a lot of these albums and focus. Uh, usually when I work on documentaries, I start listening to the music that relates to that documentary. So I'm not really in the new music. It's like a whole cycle I get stuck in. So bear with me on the next episode. I will do that. Uh, I 100%. You got my, you guys got my word. If I don't do it next episode, I owe you guys a free cookie and a free Golden Eagle energy drink. Shout out to them. Taking some drink right now. Uh, amazing. And uh, the good news, though, the good news is I am going to do a live episode this month. Like I said, I'm going to try to do one episode a month that's live. Um, I am right now trying to figure out how to stream it properly because what I want it to be, I want it to kind of be like a, almost like a radio, like a live radio show that you guys can call in at a certain number, like it'll be on the screen and then we'll have the topic that we're discussing and then you guys call in and we talk about the topic. That's kind of how I want the live thing to go. And then I want, I'm going to have like a section where we debate like, Hey, 50 Cent versus Lil Wayne versus who would win like that type of debate, like stuff like something like that. It's really cool. So I'm going to come up with the debate pretty soon here, but uh, I'm going to announce the date on that live video on Monday's episode, not this episode, Monday's episode's coming up. I'm going to announce the date. I'm debating on if I should do it on a Thursday. I'll probably do it on a Friday night um, because new music's out by then. And then we can also, you know, I think on a Friday night, it'd be cool to kick it. Or, you know, I don't know. I got to figure out what day. I'm thinking Friday night, though. Maybe Monday night. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, Saturday night. Who knows? Uh, it has to be on the days that I'm not recording the podcast, which is Sundays and Wednesdays. So I can't do it on those days because I can't be on the podcast and then do a live show as well. Because it's not going to be, it's technically not going to be counted as a podcast episode. So that's what I also need to figure out is how am I going to really number those things or am I just going to have them as live shows and still be part of the podcast or I have to figure that part out but you know I got a couple of days to figure out before I do record the next episode so I'll figure that out but that's the good news that I definitely want to do live episodes once a month like I said and uh you know we'll 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 get into that we'll get into our debates and as long as people are respectful and you know nobody's uh taking things personally uh then we should be should be good you know everything should be good let's get into the news and, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl halftime show. If you're not aware of what Super Bowl is, it's the NFL, America's football. I know, you know, overseas in Europe and all over the world, basically they call football uh, what America calls soccer. So here it's American football, NFL, National Football League. And during the NFL, it's the most watched thing in America. Um, 
I think they did like 124 million viewers, which is like insane. Uh, that's like the highest record broken recently. So that might seem like a lot, but that's like compared to what like actual football, which is the real football soccer, uh, Americans call soccer here. Um, they do like a billion views. So it's like a whole different level. But uh, I digress. The Super Bowl halftime show, Usher. Usher uh, was the was the headliner. And uh kind of want to get my thoughts on the show, man. I think it was it was really well done. I think Usher went over uh, his hits really well. Smooth transitions. I'm glad uh, he went over a lot of the ones that I, I really love from him. Um, one thing that I had that, that was kind of funny, Jermaine Dupree, he kind of looked funny with, with what he was wearing. But other than that, man, everybody did their thing, man. Even Jermaine Dupree, even though he was looking like a Oompa Loompa and those like shoes were looking hilarious. Uh it was great, man. I enjoyed it. You know, shout out to Usher. Had a lustful career, and he still's got. He still, you know, is putting out albums, music, and bangers. And uh, you know, he's been around for a while, man. And you know, he's one of those people that you know deserve a Super Bowl halftime show. I know the show is going to end up in New Orleans next year, and I hope Lil Wayne gets it. I think Lil Wayne deserves a Super Bowl halftime show. I think that would be really cool if Lil Wayne gets it. He can bring out Drake, Nicki Minaj. I mean, that'll be fire. Uh, Birdman, I, I would love to see Birdman rubbing his hands, yelling out Rich Gang. Brr, like, come on, bro. That's that's legendary. That's that's how you do a fucking Super Bowl is get Birdman on there. Shit, we need to get Birdman talking about money and stunting for the next 15 minutes of the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, man, that's hilarious. But uh, the cool thing that I really wanted to talk about is the fact that Usher's label, shout out to them, man. Smart motherfuckers, right? During his Super Bowl halftime show, they updated our all his RIAA certifications of whatever needed to be updated, which is like cool as hell. That's what should have been done for Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre shit hasn't been updated since like we went over this like 1993, one of them or 1994, one of them, one of them 2002. Like he hasn't had his shit updated in ages. Um, but for, you know, for Usher, they updated it. And uh, he's become the first solo male R&B artist to have a 14 times platinum album officially uh which is confessions that album it's 14 times platinum meaning it sold 14 million copies in america alone this is america riaa is just in the united states has nothing to do with any other location or region uh so he is 14 times platinum on that his yeah song which is a huge huge record that is 13 times platinum which is also great that's insane you would think, man, with Usher's yeah, like 50s in the club. Sorry, I have to bring 50 into this always. But 50s in the club, you would think would have a higher certification than Usher's yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I find it very weird that Usher's is higher. Because look, if you go on YouTube, yeah, has 903 million views. 50s in the club has 2 billion views. And it's only diamond. That song's only diamond. Which I'm not saying like only is like nothing. I'm just saying... How is that sold 10 million? And then you got Usher's Yeah doing 13 million. I, I just don't get that. Maybe the audience is different, I guess. Um, I don't know, but it's a, that's a weird thing that I noticed. I was like, you know, I think in the club's bigger than Yeah. You know, but I don't know. That's just my take on it. And then he had a bunch of stuff updated, like so much stuff. Um, the Raymond versus Raymond album, three times platinum. Here I Stand album, two times platinum. 8701 album. Five times platinum, bunch of gold records. Uh, Wanna make love in this club? Hey. Shout out to Jeezy. That went fucking five times platinum. 
Oh my God, Will I Am. Eight times platinum. That's about to be damn near diamond. DJ got to fall in love. Eight times platinum. You got it. You got it bad. Five times platinum. Come on, bro. Uh, yeah, he, he's, you know, Usher's been a talented, talented person for a long, long time, man. I was hearing his music throughout my whole life, even as a kid, man. Um, to me, I don't, I don't know, you know, music without Usher because that's how long he's been doing it. So shout out to him, man. Big round of applause for him. I heard he made like a hundred million dollars. His streams went up like insane. I don't know what the fuck the, the numbers are, but they don't get paid to do the Super Bowl halftime shows. No artist does, but who gives a shit? You get insane exposure. Your streams go up. Everybody loves you for that moment. So, uh, shout out to Usher. I saw Boozy say something, which was interesting. And I agree with him. It's crazy when you like say it out loud, but I do agree with him. He was like, man, R. Kelly would have killed the Super Bowl halftime show. And he would have. There's no denying that R. Kelly is like one of the most talented R&B artists of all time. He's basically the king of R&B at a certain point, you know, other than Usher. But, you know, his his actions, his decisions, he's a disgusting human being. So regardless, uh, you know, we're never going to get that because of his dumb actions, unfortunately. So, uh I want to see, like I said, next year, if it's which it's supposed to be in New Orleans, I definitely want to see Lil Wayne. I think that's that that would be really cool. But I don't know. We'll see if it'll happen. I know Jay Z's running things right now, but if it goes too much into hip hop, you know, we don't know. We don't know if it's actually going to happen because there's too much right now. It's been leaning a little bit too much into hip hop because Rihanna's pop, but she's also she has a bit of hip hop in her. Like she's worked with hip hop artists and had more of a hip hop, you know, type of style like. Uh, so, I mean, Rihanna was a little more pop, and then you got R&B with Usher, but I feel like it's been leaning a, li a little bit more towards the hip-hop side. Then again, not really. I mean, Dr. Dre was hip-hop, obviously. Then you got Rihanna, now Usher. So, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a mixture. But if I had to rank all the Super Bowl shows, like I said, I think Michael Jackson's got the number one spot just because the guy didn't even say a fucking word, and everybody's going crazy. So there's really no no debating on that. I think Michael Jackson, what, what he had to work with in 1993, I believe it is, show, uh, he killed it, man, and he didn't really have to say much. He didn't have the super fanciest clothes, just you know his his classic attire that he normally wears, and killed it. So uh, I think the Dr. Dre and Snoop, and you know everybody else that was there, that's probably second or third. Uh, we're ranking them all. I haven't seen all of them. You know, I think I think the show should be longer though. I think fifteen or thirteen, whatever minutes. I think the halftime stuff should be a little bit longer, man. Let the players rest a little bit. Or maybe they, they have it that long because if they let the players rest too much, you know, it can lead to problems with them performing on the field. So, you know, I don't know. The, the time, you know, 14, whatever, 13, 14 minutes. I don't know. It goes by quick, man. I would have liked to see more of that Usher show. But uh, shout out to Usher. Did his thing and got them plaques stacking up, man. Shout out to him. Uh, new updates on the Young Dolph murder trial. Uh, the judge has granted a defense request to pull jury from outside of Memphis. So we reported this on a little bit a while ago. Um, basically, the, the the defense said, hey, we want people, the jury, the people that are going to judge this thing, to be outside of Memphis, to have no idea about, well, I mean, they're probably going to know a little bit about Young Dolph probably, but they just don't want him in the Memphis thing because it involves you know a lot of close people and ties, and then it could be biased or like skewed in certain ways. So... Uh, let's go over the article. Young Dolph's accused killer, Justin Johnson, a.k.a. that straight drop guy, uh, has been granted his request to pull jurors from outside of Memphis. According to a report by the Associated Press, published on Monday, February 12th, Judge Jennifer J. Mitchell decided in favor of motion due to the intense media coverage surrounding the murder. 
in the rapper's hometown. A jury, a jury will now be brought to the city from outside Shelby County for the trial, which is scheduled to commence on June 3rd. In his original filing earlier this month, the defendant's lawyer, Luke Evans, argued that the victim in the case is beloved here, while claiming that Dolph's fans have allegedly threatened Johnson and his co-defendant Cornelius Smith with lynching and being killed in prison. The attorney feels that these calls for violence are rooted in seeking vengeance, not justice. Prosecutor Paul Hagerman suggested sending uh, questionnaires to a potential jury pool of about 150 to 200 people to gauge the effects of news, news coverage and social media commentary. But Judge Mitchell turned down the proposal as it could delay the trial, especially since it has already been pushed back from its previous scheduled start date of March 11th. So, yeah, um, you know, they got they got what they wanted, and I think that's actually a good, good move, man. Uh, get people that are not... I think that should be just standard. I don't know why that's something that... You know, I can kind of see if you're not, like, famous. It's, it doesn't really affect you too much, but... If you are famous, that should be standard to get somebody that's that's not like located where you're born at and live at. I think it should be outside of, you know, and should be people that are outside of the demographic of um, whatever that person is. Like, you know, older people, let's just say we should get 50, 60-year-olds. I doubt they know who Young Dolph is instead of giving 20 and 30-year-olds to be jurors. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this, man. And, you know, it got pushed back till, you know, June 3rd, so... Hopefully there's no more pushbacks and then we know in the summer what happens to these guys as they deserve life in prison in my opinion of course but uh yeah we'll keep our eye out. Joe Buttons 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 uh he did something which I agree with. I'm not going to lie to you guys when I saw this on the internet I was cringing and I was like what is this artist doing? This is the most cringe-worthy stuff I've ever probably seen from an artist. I don't know about ever, but it's it's up there. It's in the top three for sure. So Joe Bunn decides to slam logic over tearful interview with his father. And I agree. Here's here's I don't know if I agree with Joe Bunn's take 100%. But I agree with uh, the whole father and son interview thing being on camera. It's one of the weirdest things and confronting your father on camera for everybody to watch was very weird. It's, it's just reeked of like clout chasing off your own father and your guys' family problems. I get he's a public, you know, figure and he's a rapper that's always expressed what he's gone through. So most of his fans know it. But to do it on camera in front of people, it's a little bit different than art. That's not really art. That's just being fucking weird in my opinion. But let's go over the article. Uh, Joe Bunn has been criticized, has criticized Logic's tearful interview with his father about his childhood trauma, saying he wanted to smack the rapper. Uh, during the latest episode of his self-titled podcast, Budden spoke about Logic's emotional conversation with his dad, Robert Bryson Hall Sr., and slammed him in a lengthy tirade. So, uh, let's play the clip. I feel sorry for the people that run around uncomfortable with self. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for the people that feel like they have to speak down on their parents because they have resentments. Mm -hmm. But I like that's not my. I, that's just not my bag. Mm -hmm. I can't identify with that. And yeah, if you want to do that, then you don't have to do that on camera, yo. For 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 the sake of content. Yeah, that's the part. Like I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't see it, it. But, but hearing y'all saying yeah. it sounds disgusting. Yeah, and I I, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying yeah. as being COE. Like that's nasty. Yeah, nah, that's just nah, nasty. Nah. I'm not with the great mm -hmm. family members. I think it's, how, it's, it's also how you were, how you were raised, and like it's an identity problem. You know, if you if you were really in tune and really outside, you'll know that's a no no, especially on camera. All right, first. 
I agree with a lot what they said there. Um, I don't know about Logic's identity crisis and what he's going through inside internally. You know, that's something that Logic has to deal with, but this is not the way to deal with it. Um, first, it's just the idea of getting a family member that you have problems with privately, even though you rap about it in your music, putting it on camera and then disrespecting that family member in front of the camera is very, very weird. It's one of the, it's, first off, it's super disrespectful. And I know people are going to say, hey, you know, I have a mother or a father and they've done this to me and they've done that to me. And, you know, even though we're blood, we're blood related and they're my parents and, you know, they raise me, uh, they don't treat me well and this and that. Yes, there are parents that you, you know, that are toxic, that are very bad, that uh, don't treat, you know, but, but here's the thing with the whole logic. I don't know his whole backstory, you know, but he's had issues with his parents, you know, on and off. Regardless, at a certain point, you don't deal, you would never deal with that in front of the public. Like I would never deal with any issues that I have with my parents publicly. That always be private manners and I would never disrespect them like that. That is just ridiculous. It's like me bringing them right now on the podcast and, you know, whatever issues that we've ever had, you know, talking to them and, you know, disrespect them in front of the camera, in front of all you guys, for you guys to listen. That's one of the dumbest, corniest stupidest that's not even the word stupidest not even a word but the dumbest thing uh that you can do uh, i was raised differently like they were talking about like joe budden and everybody else was talking about i was raised differently myself i've always been raised to respect my parents uh do i cuss in front of my parents yeah but my parents don't really that's not like any big issue in our family like uh but i don't cuss at them i've never like said you know f you mom f you dad or Never cussed at them. That's never been a thing. But I do cuss around my brother. Like, we just, you know, talk shit. And we just say stuff. But, like, we don't cuss, like, ah, oh, you fucking bitch, this and that. And I cuss to people. You know, it's just, it's stupid. That's corny to me. Uh, always respect your parents. I'm Muslim. So, you know, even in the Quran, it says, uh, you're, you will never be able to pay back your parents because they gave you life. They took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. Just in that alone, you'll never be able to repay them back. Ever. No matter what you do. They're always going to be above you in terms of respect value. And, you know, uh, just in terms of life, you know, obviously stuff preservation, you know, but your parents are something that at a next level that you treat them like every, every dollar that you ever made, if you had to give it to somebody, like you would have to get, like give it to your parents. That's like the best route that you can go. But then obviously people are going to hear this and say, you know, I have a different relationship with my parents. They're not that good. They've done this. They've abused me. They've done this and that. That's also a good, you know, uh, a good reason not to associate with them, but don't disrespect them and embarrass them. Because here's the thing, right? Some of you have kids, some of you don't. Eventually, we're all going to become parents. That's at least, you know, majority of people's goals. They want to have kids. They want to have a family. And you're going to be learning as you go as well. You're going to make mistakes with your child. And you're going to, you know, be like, damn, I should have done this differently. Man, I wish I would have done this. And they're going to grow up and they're going to, have their own issues with you. And in your mind, you're going to be like, damn, I tried my best, but I just didn't get her done the right way. And there's things that I messed up on. There's things that I got right. There's things that I didn't. So nobody's perfect. At the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to get to. Your parents are going to mess up. They're going to say things. They're going to do things that they, they met. They're humans at the end of the day. We look at sometimes our parents as superheroes and that they can, everything that they do is correct and that they know everything and they can take care of everything. That's not the case, man. Uh, you know, they're human beings just like us. And, you know, they try their best to give us the best life. So I could never disrespect them. I mean, that's why I work so hard 
Um, you know, we came from, I don't know if we've probably told the story 90 million times, but we've came from a war torn country with nothing but the shirts on our back. And my parents, you know, worked, they weren't the richest people ever. They didn't have major success. And to me, in my eyes, they succeeded. They did their job, you know, made sure we were fed clothes, all that stuff. Um, until we became adults and that's all they had to do. That's it. That point, I'm taking care of them, helping them out as much as I can. That's my 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 thing. When they get old, I'm not going to leave them in retirement home. I'm going to take care of them. So I think Logic, what he did with that was just a dumb, stupid, like it was like a, a clout-chasing move. I don't think it was like a therapy thing at all because if it was, it would not be on cameras. I just don't see how putting private things for the public to critique on camera is going to do any good. Um you know, because people don't care, man. You're gonna get comments like I, I just dealt with the with the Benzino interview. You can get random comments of people just talking shit. Uh, they would never say this to your face. Uh, these are people that just want to find things to dis disrespect and just say negative negative things towards you, and then involving your family into that. Nah, man, you're the celebrity. You chose to become a celebrity by releasing music and knowing that if you blow up, you're gonna be a public figure. Your family never chose that. They did other things in their career. So some people want to be famous. Some people don't. Some people don't want to be dragged in the limelight. You know, there are a lot of celebrities that have brothers and sisters that nobody knows about because they don't want to be in that life. They didn't choose that life. They want to live a regular life. So dragging your parents to this and then them probably having to see stuff online about them. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's, that's the thing about music, man. It's, I know it's art and it's your perspective and it's what you feel, but when you start that's why Drake, I remember him saying, he was like, hey, I used to, I would text people and get their approval if I can say certain things on songs because now I'm talking about personal things that I have with people. And, uh, you know, that might rub people the wrong way. So, yeah, I don't know what Logic's, I wish Logic could do like a follow-up thing or just like, I don't know, maybe even hop on, I know Joe Budden and Logic don't get along, but maybe even hop on, you know, Joe Budden's podcast and kind of explain. I think they, they, they talked about it really great. Or even, you know, if he wants to come on here and talk about it, I think it was... It was a bad, bad move, man. I, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. And I have, you know, I have a great relationship with my parents, but you know, there's things here and there that I wish, uh, you know, that I think caused me a little bit of trauma. But like, you know, everybody, I think every parent has that type of thing that caused their kids a little bit of stuff. Um, you know, my, my dad especially is very, very strict. Uh, it doesn't really show much emotion. Like I, you know, that's why it's kind of awkward for me to show a lot of, uh, you know, like at family gatherings, like show a lot of love. It's a little weird type of thing that I, I get that because of my dad, but that's, that's things that like, you know, there's a bunch of other things too. So, you know, everybody has their things that they deal with, but, uh, I did not, you know, I didn't approve of this. So logic yeah, that was terrible. Sorry. But I, sorry. I accidentally played the video, but yeah, I don't approve I don't of this. Hear that sorry. Why the fuck keeps playing? I don't approve of this. So logic, I don't know what the hell you were thinking, but, uh, you know, hopefully we get some type of follow up from this and just see, you know, what's up. But, Definitely try not to disrespect your parents. I know sometimes some of you don't have the best relationships with your parents. Some of you don't even have parents anymore. They passed away and you wish you could talk to them, you know, another day. Uh, you know, I, I I dread that day when it comes because uh, my parents, you know, as I get older, my parents are getting older as well. So I get very worried about, you know, um, them day to day. And I'm just like, you know, I want to spend as much time as I can with them. And because uh, life's short, man. I think uh, when we drag, when we do all these things in life, Life flies, man. When I'm doing all this work and all this podcast and all this, you know, work documentaries, next thing I know, I haven't chilled with my family in a long, long time. And, you know, sometimes I spend nights, you know, just talking with my mom about things, uh, you know, and hanging out with my dad sometimes. And so it just, you know, 
be be gentle with them, you know, because some people that don't have their parents anymore, they wish they could just have them for one day again. Uh, so, yeah, just just be appreciative of what you got, even though if it's not the best thing uh, that you have, you know, you'll probably see other parents and they got better relationships with their kids. It is what it is. You know, you got dealt the cards you got dealt with. Try the best possible way to 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 work with those cards and, uh, you know, be be turn be a better be in an improved version for your kids. Let's just say that an improved version when you have kids. So learn from your parents' mistakes that they did to you. And that's what I'm going to do. At least I'm going to, I'm going to change a little things. I mean, they did a lot of my parents, did a lot of great things, but I'm going to change some stuff up that I felt uh, they could have done better on. And I'll do that for my kids. So yeah, long ass talk about parents and family, but I think it's important and logic, whatever you're going through. I hope you guys all heal, but just don't do it in the public's uh, view. It's, it's very, very, very stupid move. Uh, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. Suge Knight. I never thought Suge Knight would turn into this, man. I really never thought it. I thought Suge Knight was really, uh, you know, this is one of the biggest, baddest men from the 90s and early 2000s that would terrorize people uh, day in and day out. You know, allegedly dangled vanilla ice from a balcony to get his masters from the Ice Ice Baby song. Uh, all this stuff, all these stories about Suge Knight. But Suge Knight sadly turned into this Sorry, I just got a phone call. Speaking of my mom, she just called me for something. So, uh, yeah, back to what I was saying. Suge Knight, big bad wolf. All of a sudden, today's time, you become a gossiper. Yes, a blogger gossiper. I don't know who's running his Twitter account, but it is the weirdest account. He's just randomly spewing shit on there. And I hope it's not Suge Knight directly, because if this is what he wants out there, and this is the type of games he's playing... Uh, he's really fell from grace because his legacy is getting destroyed here and there. Uh, Suge Knight may be behind bars, but he still found a way to be messy on Valentine's Day by tagging Jada Pickett Smith in a rare photo set of Tupac showering. Happy Valentine's Day to all my female Tupac fans. Never before seen picture of Tupac taking a shower. Very weird photo. I don't know why he would, he would share that. But then he hashtag Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, I don't know what's got, I, I don't know what's gotten to Suge Knight, man. He, he started tweeting some stuff about like, uh, 50 and buck and the tax evasions. And he was like, 50 don't fuck with, uh, people that fuck with like transgenders or whatever the case may be. He sent some shots at buck. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? That's got like literally absolutely nothing to do with you. You're just throwing shit in the air and seeing what sticks. Like Suge Knight has really, really. I don't know who the hell is running this account. Please, whoever's running this account, you're ruining the guy's name. It's been ruined a lot, but you're ruining it even more. So I just want to talk about how corny Suge Knight is. So that's why I wanted to bring this up. This has gotten real corny to the point where it's like this guy is ruining his legacy. Uh, the Suge Knight podcast thing, I don't know. I haven't really listened to it much, but I've obviously posted clips on the podcast from it, on my podcast, from his podcast. And... You know, that could be something that could be very, very fun and lucrative and be something that's interesting. You could tell stories that nobody's ever told, which he's done a little bit. You know, he could do it. He can go out in an honorable way is what I'm trying to say. In a way that's pretty cool that people still respect him. But this, like, don't do this stuff, bro. You're, you're I don't know how old he is, 60, 70, something like that. Uh, you know, go out in a better way, man. You got a whole legacy that you put out there, and now you're just, you know, doing this type of stuff, and it's really, really corny, so... Uh, yeah, sure. Do better. Come on, man. 
Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons has been gone out of America for a long, long time, and there's probably reasons why, and this is one of the reasons why. He has been sued by former Def Jam executive for alleged rape. Yeah. Russell Simmons has been accused of sexual assault once again, this time by a former employee at the record label he co-founded. On Tuesday, February 13th, a woman who served as an executive at Def Jam during the 90s sued the mogul for sexual harassment and rape. Filed under Jane Doe in New York federal court, the lawsuit alleges false imprisonment, battery, emotional distress, and a violation of the state's gender-motivated violence law. The plaintiff claims that the Queens native invited her to his apartment for work, though he started wrestling with her in an an attempt to appear playful. Soon after, he then pinned her down the bed aggressively. Uh, Miss Doe repeatedly told Mr. Simmons to get off her, but he refused. Uh, court documents state Mr. Simmons proceeded to, you know what, her following that the hip hop businessman allegedly continued to torment his employee at the workplace, despite others telling him to stop, ultimately forcing her to resign in 1997. He would sit on her desk, lean over aggressively, invading her personal space while making sexual innuendos, suggestions and advances and rubbing the front of his pants. The paperwork reads Mr. Simmons would follow Miss Doe to the door or block her path to prevent her from opening it again. The statement shared with Hip Hop DX, the plaintiff's attorney, Kenya K. Davis, uh, shared, as detailed in the complaint, our client was sexually assaulted and harassed by her boss, Russell Simmons, while pursuing her professional ambitions as an executive at Def Jam. She was proud of her contributions to the burgeoning musical genre of hip hop, but her hard work and her career in music was disrupted and derailed by Mr. Simmons, a rich and powerful celebrity whose wealth and influence allowed his abuse behavior to go unchallenged for decades. Now a successful writer and producer in the entertainment industry, Jane Doe's traumatic experiences with Simmons echoed those of so many other women who he has preyed upon for decades. Uh, just last year, Simmons admitted to being less than a gentleman in his past while flat out denying sexual assault anyone, even though several women have accused him of it doing in the past. He said, I took nine line detector tests. People don't know. He said in an interview with Graham Bensinger, nine separate, seven from the chairman of Polygraph Association, one for each in serious accusation. He added uh, three hours per test by two polygram examiners, one that I've done this, one that I've never done this to anyone, and one I've never done to each individual. Some people say that they're not accurate, but it's 94% accurate. I did nine of them. It's pretty clear that I don't believe it. Uh, I even asked, well, well, if I believe it, but it's not true, he said. Uh, your subconscious will get to you. I don't know how true that is, but that's what they told me by the chairman of Polygraph Association. So this was, yeah, I remember this interview. It was done last year, like towards the end of last year. And, uh, you know, he basically said, why would I, you know, he's like, I've had a bad, like, past in terms of, like, sleeping with a lot of women. But he was like, why would I, if I have options to sleep with all these women, why would I force myself onto other women? That's basically the gist of what he said. But that's not, like, that's a dumb, like, reason to not to like excuse herself from possibly doing something bad to a woman you know it's like oh i have options so why would i force myself onto because maybe that woman doesn't like you and that pissed you off so then you decided to to pursue her because you know at a certain point some some people not everybody they feel like they're untouchable that they can have whatever they want do whatever they want to anybody because they got the money they got the fame you know everybody will will Nobody would believe the other person. They're famous. They got all the power. They all got all the control. So when a woman says, or a guy, or whatever the case may be, says no, they take that as disrespect, so they force themselves on that person. 
because they feel like, oh, I can have anything. Why are you telling me no? While well, all these other women are telling me yes. So that's one one route of it. There's a lot of different routes of it, but the fact that Russell Simmons hasn't come back to America speaks volumes. If he's really took all those lie detector tests and all of them came back to him, you know, not telling a lie at all, 94% accurate, go back to America. Go back to America and see how it plays out. If you really believe you're innocent. Because you can talk in interviews overseas and say all these things. But if you're truly, truly innocent, come back to America. Let them prosecute you. Go through the, the judicial system. But he doesn't want to do that. So he's, you know, he's been quiet and trying to stay out the light. But now he's got another, another uh, lawsuit coming his way. So we'll keep our eye on this and see what, what leads up to this. Hi, my name is, hi, my name is Chicka Chicka Slim Shady. But yeah, shout out to Eminem, man. He is deciding to be a co, what is it called? A co-executive producer or co-producer, whatever the hell the fucking, co-produce. Yeah, there you go, co-produce. A documentary. This is something they should have hit me up for. And I'm not saying to be part of it, like in terms of being interviewed for it, but be part of the production for this because I'm sure I can find some crazy people. So, uh, let's go over the article, what I'm talking about. Eminem is working on a project about delusional fandom that takes its name from one of his career-defining tracks from over two decades ago. On Wednesday, February 14th, Variety reported that the Detroit MC is set to co-produce a documentary titled Stands, uh, which is a reference to his fictional song about the devotee of his music who ends up uh, killing himself and his girlfriend after M doesn't respond to his letters. Uh, Stan has since become a recognized term, both noun and verb used to convey obsession, typically for artists and celebrities. Uh, directed by Stephen Lecart, and set to be released later this year via Shady Films. The film synopsis described, describes it as a revealing, edgy, and disarmingly personal journey into the world of super fandom told through the lens of one of the world's most iconic and enduring artists, Eminem, and the fans that worship him. Uh, the Lose Yourself Hitmakers manager, Paul Rosenberg, said that the upcoming movie will be an opportunity for us to turn the camera around and ask the audience about being fans, and in some cases, fanatics. This is a study of the relationship between fan base and artists through the lens of one of the most of through the lens of one of Eminem's most fascinating songs and one of the world's most important entertainers. Funny enough, we're talking about stands with a Benzino interview and you know, I've been addressing a lot of Eminem stands. A lot of you should be in this documentary because some of you are fucking crazy and just cannot get through your head things that people are saying. Like, I don't understand. Like, even with the Benzino interview, I'm not going to go back to it and break down things. But as much as I explain to people these things, the only thing I messed up in that interview was, uh, you know, not asking about the ghostwriter thing. I wish I had more time. But that's really about it that I, that I felt I messed up on. Uh, everything else I felt like I did a pretty good job of pushing back on. But, you know, of course, you're going to get stands in the comments that are going to say stuff and say, why are you demeaning all Eminem fans when I wasn't? That's why in the interview I said, hey, Zeno, I literally stopped him mid-conversation, mid-talk when he was explaining. I said, stands. And he said, yeah, the stands. I flipped it from fans to stands. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a stand. Just leave me alone. That's all I'm saying, guys. I don't want no issues with you guys. Some of you guys are just batshit crazy. I said some, by the way, listen to me. Listen to the words that I'm using. Some. I'm not saying every single one of you. Literally, I have conversations with Eminem fans day in and day out, and they are cordial. They understand. They're respectful. They don't drag personal things into it. They just know that everybody has opinions about things. And that's it. That's all it is, guys. Uh, it's not that serious. So 
this is going to be interesting. I would have loved to, uh, like I said, be uh, somebody that helps produce this, like be on the back end of like a director or whatever, executive producer, uh, just to make this. This would be really cool. I would love to fly out and meet Eminem stands, to be honest with you. Um, because the ones that are willing to be met, like the ones that are willing to be on camera and talk about their fandom aren't crazy ones, I think. Uh, because they would never talk disrespectfully because they're on camera. They like to meet people. It's different. It's the ones that don't have, like I said, pictures in their you know profile. Uh, if they do, uh, not a lot of followers, and they're just crazy, and they just. But talk. I feel sorry for him. Why does the video keep fucking playing? Scared I, the shit out of me. Um, sorry, I scared the dog shit out of me because I was like, "Who the fuck is talking?" Joe Budden just randomly popped up on this podcast. Whew, Joe Budden would have whip my ass, man. I swear to God, I said a lot of shit about him, so he would have whip my ass right now. I'm whew, scared the shit out of me. Anyways, <laughs> no, I haven't said much bad about Joe Budden. I don't think I have. I'd probably critique some things, but everybody does. Anyways, like I was saying, um, you know, this would be interesting to see, but the, the fans that, that, that are hardcore stands would not want to be in this. You know, I think I would have been a great Eminem fan to be interviewed on the interview side because I support Eminem, but I'm not like, I don't, I don't have like, I never had like Eminem posters on my wall. Actually, I did. Hold up. I did have that classic 50 cent Eminem uh, poster on our wall. It was, uh, it's like a poster of them leaning on this, like a uh, kind of briefcase. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a classic, classic photo that, you know, I remember having up. So that just shows, I wish, man, I'm just dumb, man. I wish I would have took photos as a kid in front of like me in front of that, in front of that picture. Cause that would have showed you guys that like, yeah, even though I have proof regardless, but it just would have been cool to be like, yo, I've been an M and 50 fan my whole life since a kid. It would have been cool to show that. I regret really like not taking a lot of those type of photos. It would have been really cool, man. I'm stupid. And I blame my sister for not taking more photos of me as a kid. Uh, and my parents too. So, uh, regardless, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for this. I want to check it out. I want to see what it's about. Um, and speaking of stands, it's just the funniest time now that now that you got Benzino running around talking about stands. It's really cool. Um, you know, they should feature, uh, Benzino in this to talk about like the other perspective. <laughs> I think it'd be really, really funny, man. I think that would be like a unique thing if Eminem decided to put Benzino in this, you know, and just talk about his perspective about, you know, what it's like to be on the fan, on the, the opposite side of things when it comes to being an MMA fan. But yeah, we'll check it out. It's coming out later this year. No specific dates announced yet, but uh, I'm sure we're going to get something soon or at least a trailer by the summertime for sure. Boozy badass. And I agree with him, man. He said something recently that I totally agree with. And I talk about this frequently. Uh, and the best example of this is William Roberts, AKA Rick Ross and Takashi six, nine. But what is he talking about? Boozy badass has said that he doesn't believe he'd be as big as he is. Uh, is now if he didn't make his debut when he did. The White Me Down rapper uh, stopped by Cam Newton's podcast, fourth, uh, fourth and One, for an interview that premiered on Sunday, February 11th. There, he said that hip-hop uh, world's love for him is at least in part because he started his career at a time that pri prized authenticity. So, I agree with that. I think earlier, they actually appreciated authentic rappers more. Now anything flies, like I just said, William Roberts, a.k.a. Rick Ross, took somebody's whole identity, made a career out of it. Nobody questioned it. People fuck with the music. They fuck with him, period. Uh, Takashi 6ix9ine, you know, uh, snitched, blah, blah, blah. You could say he's blackballed, but people are still fucking with it. But they allowed, to, they allowed somebody to get in hip-hop that moves like that. Uh, lots of examples, man. Um, I know people are going to throw, oh, what about Ice Cube? But at least Ice Cube admitted that he wasn't a gangster, like, uh, off the top. 
a lot of these people in today's time, they don't, they put this fabrication of fakeness and then later on they say, oh, uh, you know, yeah, I really wasn't that. Or they won't even admit it. They'll still think they're the hardest, toughest shit out there and whatever. Um, so let's play the clip. Let's see what Boozy exactly has to say word for word. Had you came out now, what, what would you have leaned on more than just the normal buzz coming out when you first came out? I feel if I came out now, I wouldn't be as big as I am now because the real is not too real anymore. Yeah, the real is not celebrated. It's not celebrated. It's not acknowledged. I came out at a time when it was everything to be real. Mm. You know, uh, and to prove why you was and real. to prove why you was real, and people looked up to that. When your life story matched your lyrics, when you was, it's just a different era. It's not based on talent like it is. And 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 I dropped the album today, and each one of my albums, bro. Congratulations, man. I don't have a song that does this, and that rest of the album streaming do this. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that comes from my fans forever listening to my whole projects. Yeah. Now we just like singles. Yeah. We don't put the album in and listen to the whole album anymore. Mm -hmm. We just listen to the uh, first couple songs. So I feel like the realness is not there anymore like it used to be. So I, I'm glad I came out at a time like that because... You got real fans. I got, I got yeah. real dedicated fans. Back. Yeah. Who will argue with anybody mm -hmm. that I'm top five? I like I said, I agree. You know, back then you'd have to if you're rapping about certain things, people would even check you back then. Fights would happen, uh, shootouts would happen, things would happen. Because if you're gonna be talking all that gangster shit, better be tapped in with gangster people. Uh, unfortunately, now in today's time, I mean, you can look at it both ways. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. You know. Only in hip-hop do we really have this problem of, like, you have to be authentic. I mean, in country and all these other genres, people can sing and rap about whatever, sing about whatever the hell they want to sing about, even if it's not real. And, you know, people will still listen to it. So, I don't know. There's there's other ways. I just, I liked, you know, hey, is this guy actually who he, he says in his music? Okay. Uh, once Rick Ross got away with what he got away with, stealing someone's whole identity and just kind of presenting himself as somebody different than what he actually is. At that point, to me, it felt like hip-hop just kind of was a joke. You know, anybody could come in and say whatever and do whatever without no proof of any history of anything. Because think about this, right? Quote-unquote gangster rappers. The ones that were actually gangsters. They never really had to say they were gangsters. Besides the music, obviously. But like in interviews. It's usually other people telling stories of things that happen with that guy. Like for 50, Bang him Smurf, Yayo, a uh, bunch of Queens people. I mean, uh, you got a Bimmy. You got a bunch of people from Queens that would say that would, that's already three people off the top. I can't think of it like off the top of my head, a lot of other people. But Jam Master J, uh, whatever. Uh, speaking of Russell Simmons, he said uh, stories about uh, stuff. Uh, lots of people that would just speak on stories of 50 doing all kinds of gangster stuff. Jay-Z, you would hear Jay-Z stories, stabbing this person, selling bricks to this person, doing that, doing that. You know, so like the people that are actually, you know, in the streets, you'll hear stories from other people about them. But I never, never, I hope you guys can link me to something. 
when you guys are watching this and hearing this. Never heard a story about William Roberts doing anything gangsta ever in his life. Never heard a story about it. Never. Not not one. And I'm not even saying that to... I don't want this to come off as me hating. I just have never heard a story. Nobody speak on William Roberts' past. And if he's actually this big Port of Miami drug dealer that he came out to be, and never heard a single story of that. Either he did his crime so well that nobody's ever known he did his crime, or it's fabricated. So I don't know. But I agree with Boozy. It's, it's, if he would have came out a different time, you know, I don't think it would have been appreciated as much. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him. Drake. Drake won't leave us alone, man. Drake, leave us alone. I said this 90 million times. Tired of this, man. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of hearing about you driving more music. I did say that if you do a collab album with J. Cole, I would accept that. I'm fine with that because that's not really a solo Drake album. You know, I think I would like a Drake and J. Cole thing. It'd be cool. Do I want a Drake and Kendrick beef? Yes, but uh, that's me daydreaming, and I hope that happens one day because when it does, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm definitely going to go crazy on this podcast. That's something that I'm looking forward to. But uh, Drake, while on tour with J. Cole, Decided to let people know that he can't stay away from making music. He can't stay away from it, man. That studio's calling his name like the Green Goblin mask. Somebody, somebody, somebody ban Drake from all studios, even the ones he's owned and created in his house. Please keep this guy away from music for at least two years for the love of God. Because the music isn't that's eh, all right. I mean, for love for all the dogs have been okay. Um, but I would like it better if he took a break. I think every artist needs a break so we can appreciate him more. Not to say that Drake's been dropping dookie bombs, but there's been some albums that have been all right that, like, if you took a break, I think I would appreciate more. But uh, let's play the clip. It's y'all when it's turned up in St. Louis. I will never leave y'all for that long again. I'm coming back. Don't worry. Mm, yeah. You know, I said I was, like, taking a break and all that shit, but I'm right back on the road. It's hard for me to stay away from y'all. I really do love you. And, you know, you never know. I'm like... I don't know. I might get bored on the road and start making some music. See where it goes in the next little while. But. See? I might get bored on the road and start making new music. Bro, stop it. Stop it. Stay away from the studio, man. Unless at least Sir Drake and J. Cole album. I'm, I'm all for that. I would love to hear that. Believe it or not, they, they've, they haven't missed in my eyes off the collabs they've done so far. So, I, you know, I'm all for that. But please, Drake, for the love of God, stay away from the studio. Just if it's another solo album, I do not want to hear it, please. And if it is another solo album, here's the only here's the only way I'll accept a Drake solo album. If it features Eminem, 50 Cent, and it's released independently, not under Universal or anything. And he comes out and says, hey, I'm an independent artist. Fuck the labels. I'm dropping the solo album. That's it. That's the only reason I'm accepting a Drake solo album. I want Eminem and 50 on the album. You hear me, Drake? Drake? Yeah. So that's the only way I'm accepting a Drake album. That's what I want. Got to have Eminem 50 on it. And Kevin Gates, actually. Now, now I think about it, I add a couple names to this album. Yeah, Kevin Gates, Eminem 50 Cent on a Drake album solo, independently released. And I'll accept a Drake solo album. Other than that, please stay away from the studio, Drake, damn it. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it right now, man. Take a break. The studio keeps calling you like the Green Goblin mask. Leave it alone, Drake. Let people appreciate your absence. Stay away from the limelight. I don't want to see your face anymore for a while. Let us appreciate you. Anyways, yeah. 
we'll keep our eye out. Hopefully, no album comes out. <laughs> Billboard Hot 100, man. The industry plant has has been spreading his weeds, and it's taking over the ground, and it's all over, man. It's spread like, um, you know, we need one of those uh, weed sprayers that destroy a lot of weeds. But Jack Harlow, Love It On Me, is back to number one. I don't get it. I need to look at the views on the YouTube. Let me check how much views this YouTube video has for this song because, like I said, it came out of nowhere. And I saw somebody tweet, man, you got to give Jack Harlow props for creating hits. It's not hard. I'm like, bro, he's recreating old samples and classics. Like that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's commendable that he got hits off that, but it's just, you're just recreating old classic samples. That's all you're doing. It's easier to make hits when you're taking old nostalgic songs and just remaking them for, like do something that's brand, brand new. Then it's harder, but uh, shout out to Jack Harlow. Regardless, sounds like I'm hating, but I'm not. Uh, Jack Harlow's back to number one uh, with Loving On Me, baby. Get your loving on me, baby. Uh, I did listen to that Post Malone and Sway Lee song, by the way, and I have heard it. I was wrong in saying that I haven't heard it. I've heard it before, but I just never checked for it. I didn't really think about, you know, who's on the song and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've heard it. Uh, it's, it's a great record, but I'm not, you know, double diamond great. I I thought the Wiz Khalifa See You Again uh song would have been the first song to go double diamond because that song was huge and it's got way more views than the Swaley and Post Malone one. it's like a six point something billion and uh you know it's just been around maybe because it's not double diamond because streaming wasn't around the time well it was around but it wasn't counted towards sales at the time when uh See You Again came out it came out in 2013 or 14 or 15 something like that so it wasn't like you know really that prevalent and versus you know Swaley and Post Malone song but uh yeah it's interesting regardless um, Teddy Swims, Lose Control, number two, Beautiful Things, Benson Bone, number three, uh, Cruel Summer, number four, Taylor Swift, Snooze, SZA, number five, I Remember Everything, Zach Bryan, number six, Greedy, Tate McRae, number seven, Fast Car, Luke Combs, number eight, Agora Hills, Doja Cat, number 10, and Flowers, Miley Cyrus, number, sorry, Agora, Agora Hills, Doja Cat, number nine, and then Flowers, Miley Cyrus, number 10. Megan Thee Stallions, Hiss, Went from number one to number 13. Uh, Red Rum, 21 Savage, number 14. Uh, Paint the Town, Red Doja Cat, number 17. Flow Mini, Flow Millie, Never Lose Me, number 19. Uh, let's see. Everybody, Nicki Minaj, number 27. Rich Baby Daddy, Drake, number 32. That's probably going to go back up because he just dropped the music video for that song. Uh... But you loving on me. Sorry. That damn is stuck on my damn head. These damn industry plants. Fuck you mean. Gunner number 41. Good, good Usher number 45. We're probably going to get a lot of Usher entries because of the Super Bowl thing pretty soon here. Uh, Drake, first person shooter number 47. JID surround sound number 48. FTCU, Nicki Minaj number 54. 21 Savage, Nina number 58. Drake, you broke my heart number 65. Travis Scott Fiend, number 69. Lil Tecca, 500 pounds, 71. I don't give a fuck, Drake, number 72. 21 Savage, Prove It, number 75. Fuck you, me. Travis Scott, My Eyes, number 85. All of Me, 21 Savage, number 88. N-H-I-E, 21 Savage, number 89. Should have wore a bonnet, number 90, 21 Savage. Chris Brown, Sensational, re-entry at number 94. Worth It, Offset, and Don Tolliver, number 96. Which I think should, that song should be higher. It's a really good record. I like that record a lot. Um, and that's it. 
Uh, I want to also talk about uh, Royce to 5'9 reacted to our interview with Benzino, where Benzino said he would chew Royce to 5'9. Uh, Royce to 5'9 on our Instagram page, Diverse Mentality Instagram page, commented a gif, basically, I don't know how to explain it, basically saying, like, get a load of this guy. Basically, that's what the gif kind of means to me, at least. And then Tony A responded to a clip that we posted of Benzino talking about the stabbing incident with murdering. And Tony Ayo actually followed us on Instagram, so shout out to Tony Ayo. I would love to get Tony Ayo on the podcast. Now that he follows us on Instagram, hopefully we can make a connection uh, because he's been following me on Twitter for ages and tried to DM him, and he's never responded. So I don't know if a follow is going to lead to anything, a possible interview. I hope so, but uh, I'm not really betting on it because he's been following me on Twitter for ages, even though he doesn't use Twitter as much, so I kind of give... You know, I kind of understand that, that he won't respond on the DMs on there. But, uh, you know, on Instagram, he followed us. Shout out to him. He liked the video of the Benzino thing and then commented on our Benzino interview, LOL, laughing emoji. So I did respond in the comments of that and said, please pull up. Yayo. you know, I would love to do, you know, an interview with you and stuff. So I think the Tony Ayo interview, it, there's a possibility, guys. I hope so, man. It would make my dreams come true. I have a list of artists that I want on this podcast. Unfortunately, one of them has passed away already, DMX. Um, but I have a list and, uh, Yayo and G unit is up there. So I would love to interview Yayo. I, th I have so many questions that are unanswered that if he tries to yell over me, Yayo, stop yelling over people if he tries to yell over me. I'm not going to let it happen guys. I'm telling you guys right now, I'm not going to let Yayo yell over me like he does in everybody else's interviews. Cause I know 50 and Yayo's tactics. I've seen every interview of Tony Yayo. I've seen every interview of 50. I know their tactics. 50 doesn't yell over you unless you ask the question. But the motherfucker does a, a whole twist and turn, and before you know it, you're talking about grandma's cookies or some shit. I don't know. You're going in a whole different realm. You'll ask about, okay, 50, what happened in the uh, murder, ink stabbing incident? All right, you know, check this out. You know, um, yeah, you know, speaking of stabbing, you know, I, I sharpened this knife one time. Like, it just goes to a whole fucking, you know, I'm not going to let 50 do that as well because I, I know I'm going to backtrack. Be like, 50, we're getting way off track here. Where are we going? We're going a whole different road, fifth. And then the same thing with Yayo. He won't he won't twist and turn, but what he'll do is talk over you and change the conversation. He'll do the same exact thing. And he got that from 50. I know he did. He just has his own style of doing it. And I'm going to tell Yayo that during the interview because it's going to be funny as fuck. So shout out to Yayo, man. I hope he comes through. Uh, like I said, I have a 10 guests, 10 guests I want you know, this year. We already got one, so nine more. I hope we can get Yayo. Yeah, yo, if somehow you're watching this, uh, listening, whatever, uh, please come on the podcast. Uh, I think it'll be one of the greatest interviews. I know for me personally, it'll be one of the greatest interviews you've ever done. Because doing an interview with somebody that's history, that knows the history, a lot about G-Unit, knows timestamps, dates, and what happened, these records that leaked, that was supposed to be this, that this, this, and this. Please. I saw Yayo and Vlad shit on Shaw Money XL. It wasn't really, Yayo kind of really wasn't, honestly. Uh, he just had like a little issue with some things that happened. But Vlad said, fuck you, shot money. It was kind of weird. It was kind of corny from Vlad. Uh, I didn't really like that. I think uh, Vlad, you know, kind of picks and chooses who he wants to be tough with. Because for what it's worth, you know, uh, William Roberts beat up, you know, Vlad. And Vlad sued him. So if somebody's going to put hands on you, Vlad, if shot money puts hands on you for disrespecting him, don't sue him at least, you know. Because that's, that's, that's weird. That's kind of corny. Like, why are you, you know, you're going to talk shit to somebody and then when they put hands on you, you're going to sue. That's not a cool thing. But anyways, they were shitting on Shaw Money XL and I didn't like that. I was like, uh, I would love to talk to Yayo about that. And hopefully 
you know, Yayo, I want to rebuild the original G unit and Shaw Money, whether you guys acknowledge it or not, is technically part of the original G unit because he was with 50 in 1998. So he's been with them before the shooting, after the shooting. And I think 50, if he ever wanted to get back into music, he would need Shaw Money XL. I wholeheartedly believe that. Shaw Money got a lot of the beats that 50 was on on a lot of music and would take care of a lot of those things. So I told Shaw Money that, and I hope to rebuild the relationship with all of them. That's one of my goals, you know, in terms of G-Unit. I would love to have everybody in G-Unit here, like this whole table, this whole line. I'd have to bring two tables because it'd be a lot of people, but I would love to have everybody here. 50 in the middle, Buck, Banks, Yayo. And I know game people are saying, oh, he's not part of G-Unit. He was only a year, year and a half. He was only there. Whatever, it'd be cool to have all five of them, guys. That's the way I view G-Unit. That's in my eyes what G-Unit is. I know G-Unit's originally... Three members, it's Yale, Banks, and 50 technically, and then people surrounding and blah, blah, blah. To me, G-Unit is all five members. Whether other people disagree, I don't really care. That's my view of G-Unit. So, uh, yeah, that would be my dream come true if I can get all five of them uh, to sit here and talk about what could have been with G-Unit and just stories, man. I'd love to have that. So, uh, shout out to Tony Ayo. Appreciate the follow. And, yeah, I just want to talk about that briefly. Uh, both both artists, Royce and Tony Ayo, react to the interviews. So, Shout out to them. With that being said, uh, Spotify, Deezer, Podcasts, YouTube. You guys already know the drill, man. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this. And oh, powered by Golden Eagle Energy Drink. Get you a pack, drink, goldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this. Peace.